Thanks go out this week to Randy Schuler for donating to the show. Randy, this episode is for you. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. The Major Spoilers Podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and we will go into detail about the topics we discuss. So if you haven't read, listened to, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. This week's ephemera, former Captain America Steve Rogers is still dead, but at least he's out of development hell. It's night in Hyboria. Do you know where your children are? And Cyborg versus Cyborg in a no-holds-barred, chair-swinging extravaganza smackdown. Plus, all hell breaks loose. The pulps rise again. Archie's girlfriend gets a new paint job. We're still doing American Idol. I figure Steven is Randy, and I'm Paula. <laughs> and guess where that leaves Rodrigo? And begun this Clone War has... Or begun it will have someday been have this after which we're living in now, or began, however that sentence did. Mm. <laughs> the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. You ever think Yoda is like uh, a warped version of Bizarro? See, I, I can't hear Yoda without hearing Grover. <laughs> or Miss Piggy. And that is a The path pause, of the Jedi yeah. is far. <laughs> near. <laughs> far. And now it is near. <laughs> Now, for those people that actually get that, uh, we salute you uh, this mm. week. Rodrigo, what the heck is up with you, dude? Oh, man. I'm I think a... he got in a fight with Batman, and he tried to crush I your did. trachea or something. Robin crushed my trachea, and then I was like, oh, man, that sucks. This is what he gets for going out to a football game in the far northwest corner of the state I on a I cold, think, cold evening. I think that's, I think that's what happens, you know, I'm... I drive out all the way, out wherever, and I'm exposed to a new population and all their germs, especially because they keep giving me beads and blankets for all my gold. <laughs> it's exposed to a new population, a euphemism for making out with strangers. Oh, my God. Don't ever do that again, man. Oh, man. Oh, I'm gonna I got Steven to do a spit take just now. Uh, nothing like American history to... Make you laugh. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. We've got some great things to talk about this week. What do you guys think? Captain America, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about who would be the best Captain America, and we all had our own choices. I still That'd think... Be me. Yes, Matthew. Yes, Matthew would be the, uh, the pre-Steve Rogers injection. <laughs> and then we could get Matt Damon to be the after. <laughs> Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> but now we have word... That uh, Joe Johnston is going to be tackling the first Avenger, Captain America. Yeah, and that's that's the guy who did the Rocketeer, right? Yes. How many did you guys like the Rocketeer? Oh yeah, the Rocketeers. I great love movie. the Rocketeer as a period piece. That was yes. just a wonderful movie. That's that's why I think he would do really good for this period piece because it is going to be set in World War II, <laughs> and so I'm really excited about that. What else has he done? He's also done. Oh, he storyboarded the greatest sequence, action sequence of all time. The uh, the convoy scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark. He's the one that planned mm. that all out for Steven Spielberg, and uh, he's done a couple other things mo- more recently. Um, I, I you know I've got I've got high hopes for this film now. Nice thoughts, Matthew or Rodrigo? Hmm. I think that when Captain America throws his mighty shield. All those who oppose the shield must yield. Now, is this going to be a clear plastic Rejoice. shield, or is this going to be a adamantium shield? It's actually going to be a flexible flyer painted red, white, and blue. Was the original shield an adamantium shield, or was it no. just a shield? 
I think yes and no. The the the, the actual answer, Stephen. The original shield was triangular and made of steel. Right. Um, it was actually crushed by Mr. Hyde in Avengers 275, thereabouts, Nerd. I believe. <laughs> but the adamantium shield came around, like, 1942 or so. The, ex- the explanation of it being adamantium wasn't until, like, 64 or 65. But after but, the introduction of Wolverine and right. after his, his skeletal right. makeup. Mm. Well, yes and no. Um it was always just it was always indestructible. Adamantium actually predates Wolverine. Oh really? Oh okay. Yes. Adamantium goes back I believe to Fantastic Four stories um now maybe I'm thinking of Vibranium. Either I think way, you might be thinking I be- of Vibranium. I believe Adamantium Adamantium you have to put batteries does. in that every once in a while. No, but I think I think for a long time I, I cuz I used to I thought that Captain American Shield was made of Vibranium until, you know, fairly recently when i read up on it and apparently it's adamantium now in the in the 80s they used to say it was an adamantium vibranium hybrid now it's an an alloy alloy, but what was that uh like three or four issue captain america miniseries where they kind of rebooted him and bucky and this was like 90 early 90s do you remember that? It was like a prestige The format. Adventures of Captain America. Yeah, it was um, Kevin McGuire from the Justice League on pencils. Yeah. Now, was that yeah. when they introduced the adamantium and made it all adamantium? Oh, no. I believe it was adamantium back in the 60s. Oh, I believe okay. the, the word adamantium originated as the name of the metal that the shield was made out of. Um, but I think it was it was later expanded through the Marvel Universe and then became part of Wolverine's pants. But um, if I'm not mistaken... I think the the best shield story is if you read like Avengers twenty eight, it gets uh, it gets blown away. It's like disintegrated on panel, mm. and everybody's like, "Oh my god, the indestructible shield is gone!" And then like four da- four pages later, he has it back, and nobody says anything about it. Wow, <laughs> that's Maybe like it just the best comes back. Story ever. It's made of magic. So we kind of got off on the uh, Joe Johnston thing. <laughs> Let's move from one director then to another director. What do you guys think Brett about this? Ratner. <laughs> <laughs> you feel the same way about Brett Ratner as you do about Matt Damon? Let's put it this way. If there was a Brett Ratner movie starring Matt Damon, <laughs> it would save me the time to be derisive of both of them separately. <laughs> Brett, Brett Ratner, of course, directing the uh, less than stellar X-Men movies. Hmm. He, is in, he is in negotiations to direct the next Conan movie, or Conan. Conan! Or Conan, depending yeah, on how you want to do it. The only thing that, I, that I'm somewhat excited about this film, number one, is that they're really going to go back to Robert E. Howard's original works mm-hmm. and really base the story off of that as opposed to the uh, – to the who was the other guy we, when we talked about it on the other show? The other guy that does the, uh, the Conan stories um, and oh, starring um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. But I forget the other guy's name. You, you guys his- don't have high hopes for Brett Ratner and Conan? I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Ha- I don't have a problem with it. Conan is one of those characters who, who, who really doesn't blow my dress up necessarily. I liked the Schwarzenegger film, that first one with James Earl Jones. Yes, and I. I mean, it had its moments, mostly because I was twelve and there were breasts in it. But yes. I mean, it had it had some good stuff going for it. But I'm not. I'm not the kind of guy who goes, "Oh my God, it's Conan! He's coming back." Yeah. You know what I'm more interested in? I guess we're going to transition. So you you don't care either way, Rodrigo? Not really. That and I've never really been that much into Conan. I thought uh, 
by this axe I rule was a documentary of uh, Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> <laughs> now, wasn't that's that's not a Conan story, is it? That's a Cole story, <laughs> it's right? A Cole story. Yeah. Speaking of Actually, Cole, it's a Cole story that was rewritten into the first Conan story. I've got to I've got to stop doing gay comic book guy. <laughs> it's messed up. Uh, speaking of of Cole, let's hop into our reviews, and I just happened to pick up Cole number one from Dark Horse Comics. It's got the Robert E. Howard official license stamp on it. Ching ching. This one's uh, chapter one, the Iron Fortress, in which Co- or Cole. I'm sorry, I don't want to call him Conan. Uh, no, but he Cole, gets angry if you do that. Uh, tell me, Matthew, if you remember correctly. There's Cole. Conqueror Cole and King Cole, right. is that how they were? This must be co- during the Conqueror Cole storyline because he's going and invading the lands of uh, Volusia, uh, or actually he is the uh, he's the king of Volusia at this point. If he's the king, it may actually be a King Cole story. Okay, so he is going and taking on the Purple Empire, the mightiest of the seven empires, and break the camp. He is going to try to break into the Iron Fortress and somehow capture the ruling class that are inside. And, you know, this the first part of the story reminded me a lot of the Two Towers and the events that are taking place at the Two Towers with Cole's army amassing on the outside and the, uh, uh, the people that he's trying to overtake on the inside, which, of course, makes sense. In uh, this story, there's an inside man who really has a hatred for the... For the Lord or whoever it is, the high master of, of the keep. And uh, he goes ahead and raises the gates and Cole's forces invade. And as a last resort, they release this fell demon from the pit. And uh, it's pretty cool. Wicked monster, horse looking, grotesque thing coming out of the pit with eyes of red. Just decimating, our, you know, uh, fighters left and right. And then Cole walks in on his horse. And says, be gone, demon. And they get into a pretty good fight. And, uh, of course, he wins and the keep falls. But one of the things that Conan wanted to do was keep all of the uh, ruling class that were inside the keep alive. But, unfortunately, the person that was the traitor who opened the gates for them, he didn't like this guy and cut off his head and killed his wife. Which, of course, Conan didn't want. He said, or I'm sorry, Cole, don't harm a hair on his head. This actually would be a better Conan story, probably. I don't really see much difference between the There's two. There's not. There really isn't. I mean, except for the garb that people are wearing mm-hmm. and some of the language. It's very similar. Uh, but then uh, Cole is very upset. He's like, dang it now. What am I going to do with the rest of these kingdoms? Now that this guy's dead, I was going to use him as a bargaining chip. And then that's kind of where the, the issue ends. Um, this is a pretty good story, actually. Cool. I'm I'm not a big fan of... Of uh, the Conan series, I mean it's it's all right, uh, but this first issue of Cole was really pretty good, and I'm interested to see what happens next. Now, granted, this takes place a little bit further in time than Conan does, hmm. um, because of the way that people are dressed. I mean, they're not all dressed in in uh, robes and and leather armor. This is some pretty good, pretty good fighting here. Um, I'm going to, if I were going to let Cole use his mighty, mighty axe to rule my meatloaf, <laughs> I think Cole would only be able to slice off about two slices of that meatloaf. Mm. I mean, it's an interesting story. The art is really good. Uh, but it, like I said, I, I 
you heard me do it a couple times. I kept saying Conan. This is a good Conan story, yeah. except it's called Cole. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, if you like Conan, you'll like Cole. Uh, yeah. I, I guarantee you that. Now, you won't hear any by Crom's uttered, right. but you'll still get the general feeling from it. So, you know, two out of five is, is not bad for this, uh, for this tale. I'm interested to see where it's going. I think I've already ordered, well, I think this is a five-issue miniseries, or maybe it's an ongoing. Um, but I've already ordered it. I know the first four of this. So Nice. Rodrigo, would you like to, uh, to regale us with your tales? Yes. Let's talk about Scarlet Veronica, number one of four. Now, this is from, who is this by? Is this, Ar- this is not Arcana. Uh, this is an in- another independent publisher, and I forget mm-hmm. who their name is at the moment. Uh, oh, I don't remember. But they've pu- pu- uh, posted a bunch of stuff up on the forum site, and you can mm-hmm. go and read it there. So you had a chance to actually read the whole issue. Yeah, number one. Okay. Um, and it's got some stuff going for it. Um, basically, it opens up with some cool uh, muscly demons with guns and no mouths that are shooting at each other. And then one of the muscly demons uh, gets into the, I think, the Great Pyramid of Giza and uh, opens up this crazy portal, gets a book, and destroys the pyramid. Oh, man. And then um, throughout the rest of the issue, you keep hearing references to the uh, Pyramid of Giza being destroyed, uh-huh. which the main character proceeds to ignore because she's a, um, this uh, high school student. Now, this is set in modern times. Then. Yes. Okay. Um, so, basically... You're introduced to Veronica. She's a high school student. She's brand new to school, or she just she just moved into this town. There's all these jocks and these evil cheerleaders who keep picking on her. Um, she curse makes, them. Yeah, curse their oily hides. Yeah, she makes friends with a nerd, and he. Uh, some jocks are picking on this nerd, um, and. Um, she steps in. She tries to step in and save him, and then this is all happening. This is like in the middle of winter, so this is on a frozen lake that they're sort of messing with him. She comes in, she falls in, and then this spooky stuff in the lake gets all over her. Sounds like an episode of Smallville. Sounds like possibly every Magic Hottie <laughs> comic ever. Yeah. Um, it, and it is, it's very textbook. It's, you know, here's a... Like, uh, unnecessarily attractive young woman. Mm-hmm. And is she attractive? How's the art? Um, the art is all right. Okay. Um, I like the cover. Yeah. Um, who gets infused with some sort of dark power and, most importantly, some ill-defined dark power. <laughs> so is she evil, um, then? Uh, no, I don't think she's evil. She's going she's gonna to go on to fight the forces of evil. But by the end of the first issue, um, she's, like, fighting some zombies... Um, and you don't really know where the zombies came from, but that no mouth muscly demon is kicking around. Yeah. Um, basically the, the, the whole thing kind of left me wanting. Yeah. It was just kind of, all right. If this comic book had come out 10 years ago, it would be flying off the shelves, but it's stuff that we've seen a lot of. So this is a, this is kind of in the same vein as maybe Dark Child, Dark Child, Witchblade, Witchblade, Shadowhunter, Wraithborn. Okay. It's very textbook kind of attractive young lady gets magic powers right down to the she's a blonde and when she transforms she has dark hair. Aha, uh-huh. kind of thing. 
We've seen this all before, haven't we, Matthew? Mm, sounds kind of like it. Um, oh. There's actually a pretty good preview up on uh, Ape Entertainment. That's the people who publish this. Or you can go yeah, to their website, scarletveronica.com, and they've got a, uh, what is it, about a 16-page preview. Or maybe it's the f- whole issue. Did they have the whole issue up here? I don't know. I'm seeing the okay. first few pages. Oh, okay. Um, it looks... I, I kind of like the art style. It's kind of cartoony. Yeah. Mm. I mean, there's nothing, There's certainly nothing wrong with the art. Yeah. Um, I just... Uh, it, you it, you uh, want well, more. Well, the, the character design, I, I also didn't... Uh, it, I, it's, again, that kind of thing. Like, if you look at the muscly demon, which I think you can see there. Yeah, it looks like Goliath from the uh, Gargoyle series. He's He's bright blue, has no mouth, has, like, no pupil eyes kind of thing. Um, he looks very much like something, you know, uh, what Todd McFarlane would have possibly come up with. True. And it's, you know, it, it's a it's a sort of design that I think we've seen a lot of. And that's kind of actually sort of passe at this point, it seems mm-hmm. to me. Um, I don't mean to just kind of sit here and put the book down, but it's it really seems like, you know, it's 2008. And this is the kind of book that was fresh in 1998. Mm-hmm. So, how many slices of meatloaf are you going to pass this week on meatloaf? Um, I probably shouldn't have any meatloaf. <laughs> Not in your condition, Rodney. No. Um, but I'll give it. I'll give it two slices because there's nothing wrong with the book. Right. Um, it's just a lot of stuff that I feel that we've seen before in other in other mm-hmm. places. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's nothing wrong with that. I think if uh, people have been up to the Majorspoilers.com website in the last couple of weeks, you've noticed that we've been reviewing a lot of independent books mm-hmm. from a lot of different companies. And, and personally, I'm finding I'm starting to enjoy reading a lot of the stories coming from other publishers like Boom or like Radical or like Ape Entertainment. Uh, that uh, That is just a good departure, I think, from what we're seeing in the mainstream. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, for me, you know, DC made me mad a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. And now Marvel started to make me mad. Yeah. So it's nice at least to give it a break, you know, to just go out and say, okay, well, let's see what all these other companies are doing. Mm-hmm. And it's not the same old superhero stuff for right. the most part. Right, right. Um, so it's nice to just kind of get a break from it. Yep. And Matthew, you've been doing some reading in uh, in other lands as well that are not the Marvel DC realm. <laughs> I have indeed. I I don't know that. I, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with reading your Marvel and your DC. No, but there's not. But I think it's just refreshing to, to say, hey, you know what? Let me go check out and see what some other people are doing. You're going to find some great stories yeah. like uh, like this uh, Dreamer uh, first issue that comes out this week, which is obviously it's a web comic, and some of these other uh, small things like uh, City of uh, what's what's the one City of Dust that I reviewed today up on the website, and all these others that are just little you know little good stories that are coming from other publishers that are not DC and Marvel. Absolutely. Actually, uh, my review this week is kind of in that vein, in that uh, I'm kind of checking up on an old friend about 10, 12, God, maybe 15 years ago. I used to read regularly, and it was the only image title that I could stomach at the time, because, you know, I was an elitist. Not that I'm now, not anymore. <laughs> but I used to read Savage Dragon, because Savage Dragon had... The She-Dragon? Well, yes, the She-Dragon. Well, <laughs> Well, the the Savage Drag Queen is what we like to refer to it. But <laughs> Dragon had kind of the feel... I, I think most of us had our own superhero comics in the back of our heads that we made up and we wrote and we created our characters. And 
Savage Dragon is basically Eric Larson saying, okay, all these things that I wrote as a kid really happened. Nice. And and everything that happened in the stories that he wrote when he was 9 and 10 and 15 are somehow part of the Dragon's universe and the Dragon's background. So what that means is that when you read an issue of Savage Dragon, there's a lot of stuff that you have to just kind of go, okay, I'm going to accept the fact that this incredible super strong man has a chicken head and just move on. Yeah. Which is actually kind of fun, but uh, Savage Dragon number 140 is what I'm looking at, the latest issue, and I believe... Is this one out this week, Stephen? Yes, this one comes out this week. Comes out on Wednesday. Yes, uh, let's see. Yours came out two weeks ago, Rodrigo. Mine Mm. came out, Cole came out last week, and the, uh, the Scarlet Veronica came out two weeks ago. Hello, Scarlet Veronica. And then this Hello. one is a one for this week. So see, everybody's getting a whole bunch of issues that they can go check out. Yep. That's all right. Some of them might this, already be in your dollar bin. This issue is filled with cameos and guest stars and everything under the sun. We start the story out, apparently, a character named Solar Man, who was rocketed from a dead planet and raised on Earth and grew up to be the most powerful superhero of all. <laughs> he, he's strong and he can fly and he has eye beams and super breath, but... He's not anyone else. It's important that we know that he's not anyone else. Apparently, this character, Solar Man, has uh, come out of... It's a a little convoluted. Apparently, there was a character who had a weapon called the God Gun who wished Solar Man out of existence. Mm -hmm. And now he has been, with the destruction of the God Gun, wished back into existence. Huh. And Solar Man has come, and he's he's basically sweeping through the Savage Dragon version of the Image universe. Because it's important to note that all Image comic books, even if they're crossing over, you're looking at the home character's reality. And okay, I'll get so to- that's, that's what I was going to ask, because if you're going to have yeah. Invincible and Witchblade and Spawn and Shadowhawk all coming into a Savage Dragon title, uh, they're not all in that same universe, even though it's all the well, image universe, right? Or they, not? They they kind of are, and they kind of aren't. And my theory on this is, image comics have been crossing over for you know fifteen years now. Right. And whenever I read an image crossover, I take it in. Okay, images creator owned, so you're on the home turf of the character in question. It's kind of like the home field advantage. Okay. This this is Dragon's book, so the things that happen take place on Dragon's terms. Okay. Now, that's important to note, because when Solar Man shows up, he ends up seemingly killing a character, a very old character, who I remember from, like, early, early issues called Horridus. Mm-hmm. Horridus is essentially a really hot chick in a bikini with a huge rack who's also covered with these horrible spines. So she's a hot chick in a bikini, but she's supposed to be this terrible mutated thing because she has these spines and a tail. But anyway, Solar Man kills her for something that she did. And sets off for his next target. And his next target is Al Simmons, who is now Spawn. Spawn, right. Right. Well, apparently Spawn has been taken into custody by the New York Police Department. And Sarah Pizzini, Witchblade, happens to be right there. Uh Aha. In order to stop Solar Man, the Savage Dragon has teamed up with Invincible, who at this point in time is still working for Cecil. Right. at, At the Pentagon. Yeah, he's got the old costume, the yellow blue costume. Exactly. So Invincible and the Savage Dragon show up just in time to see Spawn and Witchblade, who just happened to be standing around, all get into this huge fight with Solar Man. Solar Man wants to kill Spawn because Spawn used to be a serial killer. Now, all this backstory, we're on about page seven. Wow. 
<laughs> Solar that's, Moon. That's old school, man. You know, Eric, Eric Larson, um, you know, stepped down as the Image Comics publisher to go work more on Savage Dragon. So he's doing the right. whole story and art for Savage Dragon. Right. Is it cool for you, and Rodrigo, maybe you can answer this too, is it cool to see Eric Larson draw what we've seen in, you know, a Witchblade character or what we've seen, uh, what is his name, Ryan Otley draw in Invincible? Is it weird to see uh, Larson do their take on this? I guess I'm looking at the at the cover and I'm looking at Witchblade and mm-hmm. I'm thinking that is akin to going from Amanda Connor to Jack Kirby kind of thing. You know, it's mm-hmm. that kind of a to me it's kind it's, of that shocking of a of a departure. It's not weird per se. It's like I said earlier, it's these characters are on Dragon's turf and right. they're playing they're playing by Dragon's rules, which means and this is something that I had used to have a problem with in terms of of Rob Liefeld's image comics that he couldn't draw when, feet. No, other than that, every month you would have that new hot character. Well, not every month, but every couple of months. And in order to really set up the new hot character, kind of like in professional wrestling, you have him punk out a previous character. Oh, yeah. So whoever the old, most powerful, badass character is gets beaten up by the new guy. And it's kind of that here. When we take it on the perspective of the Savage Dragon is basically a regular guy. He's a cop. He's had some weird things happen to him. But he looks at things like the Witchblade and Invincible's life, and he looks at these things and just kind of goes, you know, whatever. You you people are all weird. I'm a seven-foot guy with a fin on my head, and I'm relatively normal. Okay? Yeah. Except now, he's not purple and doesn't go by the name Despero. Right. And something else that's interesting... And disturbing at the same time is there are five or six little one-page vignettes of other characters. We get a page of the Mm She-Dragon finding out why there are so many freaks in Chicago. Because there's something in the water, which I think is actually kind of funny. (laughs) She's drinking a glass of water at the time, and they cut to her facial expression. It's hysterical. And then we have a cut of a kid, basically a baby dragon, who I'm not familiar with, fighting his way out of Dimension X... With a bunch of other children. I presume this is Dragon's son somehow. I don't know if Dragon has a son. I presume this is Dragon's son because he's boy Dragon. Have you been following Savage Dragon all the, all this time? Or have you been oh, like, no. sliding I haven't followed in and out? Savage Dragon. The last time I read it regularly was around issue maybe 90 to 100 where they did the, the thing where the whole earth was destroyed. But he still did a crossover with Madman that was yeah. awesome. Okay. Basically, right. Eric Eric Larson just kind of does whatever he wants with this title, and that's its that's its greatest selling point. But that's also its drawback mm-hmm. in that Eric Larson does kind of whatever the hell he wants. So, Witchblade shows up. Spawn's about to be killed. Witchblade saves Spawn from a, a hail of police bullets, but then Solar Man shows up, and this is the moment that really throws me out of the title. Solar Man is standing there fighting all three of them. Spawn teleports away rather than get nuked. Witchblade leaps in and gets clocked. And Invincible takes a shot at Solar Man. Okay, this is how you know it takes place out of Invincible's home reality. Solar Man literally bats him away with the back of his hand and said, You're talking about that weakling Omni Man? He's nowhere near my league. Maybe he Mm. is that powerful. But this is the thing. 
but that, that would wreck Invincible's universe. Well, that's true. Exactly. Tricky. It undermines Invincible. It punks out, to use the wrestling term, Invincible, to let us see how powerful Solar Man is. Solar Man, uh, this is actually kind of interesting. Savage Dragon takes a shot at him. Solar Man catches his fist and just literally crushes it to powder. Now, for it's those that don't powder. know about Savage Dragon, though, he kind of like springs back from every injury. Yeah, he has a healing factor. Everybody has a healing factor these days. It's important to know. I wish I had a healing factor. Yeah, you do. Too. It's called healing. <laughs> no, I mean you a don't super have... healing factor. Well, you don't have a rapid healing factor. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Solar Man takes out the four, and we find that Shadowhawk has been working with another character who seems to be Iron Man. <laughs> I'm not sure who he is. To try and find Solar Man's hidden sanctuary. And when they find it, it's filled with Solar Man robots. Oh, cool. And Literally, in like mid-scene, it just cuts off. There's no to be continued. There's no next month. And I, I may be looking at the preview copy. Well, no, but this is this actually is the first part of a two-parter. So next <laughs> right, month in 141 will be the continuation. And apparently all this is leading up to uh, some big crossover event that Image is doing, I think, next summer called Image United. So mm. read into that what mm. you will. I don't want Image Unite. <laughs> well, it can't be any worse than what uh, went on in the Wildstorm universe recently. With that, uh, I mean, whoa, whoa, hold on. There's a Wildstorm universe. Yeah, yeah. With the Gen 13. <laughs> There's actually the, uh... six or eight different Wildstorm universes, Rodrigo. It depends on who's working for them at the well, time. Here's here's <laughs> the thing, though. Part of the thing that I like about Image is that it's it is a bunch of isolated guys. You know? Right. It's individuals doing what they want to do. Yeah. If you so, unite image, then it's just going to turn into Marvel or DC. Maybe that's what they want. Well, I don't know that's what they want. I mean, Savage Dragon is a title that, yes, there are characters like Solar Man who are obvious homages. And I'm going to say homage because ripoff is, you know, bloated and cruel. <laughs> but an homage to an existing character. What you like to look at as archetypes. Right. Of characters. So it's what Alan Moore was doing with League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and Supreme. Mm-hmm. You're deconstructing the art form by taking that archetypical sun god character like Superman or Apollo or whomever it is. You know, it all harkens back to Clark Kent. But when you take that character and throw him into the image universe, which is ostensibly, especially Savage Dragon's version of it, ostensibly more realistic, Yeah, you've, you've put that character in the place where he is so ridiculously overpowered... That now it makes characters like, and don't get me wrong, I have no love for Spawn. Not a whit. <sighs> and Witchblade to me was always just, you know, a naked girl covered in boogers. So I don't have, you know, the, the Witchblade. I'm sure there's thing. a fetish website with that. Yes, yeah. it's can, called image.com. If you can go into uh, previews and find, uh, what is it? Hot Girls and Corpses magazine or whatever it is. Nice. I'm sure you can yeah. find naked girls covered in boogers too. See, and that's the thing. But. Savage Dragon is a character that I really like on his own terms. Savage Dragon is unique in comics. Savage Dragon is a creator statement by Eric Larson, which right. is, I love this guy, and I'm going to make him, you know, sometimes he's got to be the awesomest, most awesomest ever. But, he's, you know, he's a good guy. He's a good character. He's, a, he's He kind of feels like... To some degree, he's like a Ben Grimm character. Yeah, mm -hmm. He's that every man in the midst of that weird situation who, yes, has super strength, but even he looks at guys like Solar Man and goes, you know what? 
wrong with you people? What's with the underpants on the outside? He's yeah. a great point of view character. But Invincible is all about being inside that superhero family and being the son of, essentially, Superman. Right. And taking Invincible on his own terms is impossible within Savage Dragon's worldview. Who, who, it's is, like, that, uh, who is that guy over at uh, Wildstorm? That crossed over into the DC universe. Uh, Captain, Captain, oh, Mike. Mr. Majestic. Yes. Isn't that the same thing as what's going yeah. on here? Well, and this is something, and, and this is this is going to be my, my most oblique reference in the podcast ever, so write this down. Okay, everybody, get your pins ready. Greg Brady. Barry Williams. told you kids not to play in the ball in the house. Barry Williams wrote an autobiography maybe a decade ago, and he made a point of quoting Robert Reed on something that Robert Reed had said about story and character and keeping the story and the character intact about an episode of The Brady Bunch. So stay with me here. Okay. Let's say, oh, we for instance— supposed to be taking notes on that part? Yeah, you were supposed oh, to. Oh, okay. All right. And Robert Reed's example was this. Let's say, for instance, Hawkeye and BJ and Trapper John— are operating on somebody in Korea and you're watching an episode of MASH, right? Okay. Suddenly the door busts open and in run Adam West and Burt Ward as Batman. Yes. Okay. Now, right there, you've created a situation where the characters cannot coexist. Now, you can make a, seat, a situation where Batman could be in that situation. And, and you know, Bob Reed was talking about how it could be a soldier suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder pretending yeah, to be Batman. hallucinating or something mm -hmm. like that, yeah. But right then, you've undermined Batman. Right. You can't have Batman's reality be true to Batman's reality in the same reality as MASH. And having Invincible in this issue reminds, Invincible. Me, undermines Invincible and makes Savage Dragon... I don't. I don't know if it changes the arc because if you know what you know about Invincible, yeah, but and you, you know what, Savage Dragon appeared in Invincible. He did. Savage Dragon appears everywhere. He's in proof right now. <laughs> but Savage, uh, it, it's got to be. This is the Savage Dragon universe version of Invincible. Yeah. And the Savage Dragon we saw in Invincible has got to be the Invincible universe version of Savage Dragon because. The characters can't coexist on their own terms. So I'm going to think of it as Earth Savage Dragon and Earth Invincible. It's like Earth 1 and Earth 2. So as taken as a story that takes place on Earth Savage Dragon, this is not a bad issue. It's kind of all fighty-fighty. Nothing and wrong some, with fighty-fighty. Something pokey, wrong. Scratchy, There's some scratchy. dialogue that is just painful to read. I mean, this is like straight out of the bad guy uh, dialogue code book this is the most horrible cliched bad guy i get you dragon. savage dragon <laughs> i should have known you'd throw in with this lot i don't want to fight you all i'm here to put an end to his evil so if you were going to invite savage dragon over for dinner matthew mm -hmm. how many slices of meatloaf would you uh would you offer up i'm gonna go with the art was awesome it's, I mean, it's it's Eric Larson going nuts on a big fight scene and kind of getting to draw Superman. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go with, based on the art, it's it's probably two slices of meatloaf. Mm, okay, two stars uh, all around for everybody you know, this week. It's not a, not at all a bad book. It's kind of inexplicable, but even as it's inexplicable, it's I mean, it's an undeniable personal statement from Eric. 
Yeah. It's like, hey, I'm drawing comics again, and I'm doing what I want, and if you don't like it, well, uh, F you. Hey, Invincible's in this issue. <laughs> <laughs> well, Invincible's in this issue. I should awesome. buy two. <laughs> and, stick and my really, face between them and go, Britsky! No, from, from the previews of what I've seen of a Witchblade, this might actually be one of the few places where you can see Witchblade nowadays in right. super naked form. Right. Because right, right now right. she's running around in a pantsuit. Yeah. Is that like super cyan? Super naked? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> naked! Naked time! <laughs> All right, everybody, for more reviews, for more news, make sure you head over to the Majorspoilers.com website. Uh, let's uh, let's uh, talk about some polls of the week, Matthew. The Major Spoilers Poll of the Week, 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 week. Poll of the Week. Poll of the Week. We're actually uh, leading off from last week's Poll of the Week. It's a, a very way. popular poll. Well, and I think we kind of we hit our crossover people. It's like when we talk about Buffy, we'll get people who don't normally talk. I think we hit, you know, just that little vein of, "Hey, I'm a Doctor Who geek too. We love you all," you know, and it's awesome. Uh, and the Doctor Who that came out on top, uh, by the way, Tom Baker. <coughs> no, I'm sorry, it changed today twice. It's changed. David Tennant is oh back my. on top. So, 32 percent for David Tennant, 31 uh, percent for Tom Baker. It has flip flopped several times just today. Yeah, and I think it's you know it's 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 testament to a thirty-five-year-old series that even today you know people who weren't even alive when it came out like us are you know arguing over who was best. That's pretty awesome to me. Yep. Yep. And speaking of who's best, we're looking at Robot Wars round two fight. Fight. We're going to be discussing on the one hand. The original cyborg killers from space, the rolling pepper pots with a sort of a toilet plunger on the front. Exterminate! 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 I've never been sure if it's pronounced Dalek or Dalek because of the British. What do you call it? I say I usually say Dalek actually because of the British accents involved, but I'm also a geek. What do you say, Rodrigo? Dalek. Dalek. Well. And then, you know, you have to understand that in, in England and America, they pronounce things differently. Where we say herbs, they say herbs because there's a fucking H in it. I also call it a mobile phone, but what do you There you do? go. Well, that's because you're pretentious. <laughs> and I spell theater with an R-E. <laughs> right. They say, we say leisure, and they say leisure. <laughs> Sorry, I'm stealing Eddie Izzard jokes today. Um, but in any case, the Dalek Warriors, of course, as in the third season closer, Doomsday, I believe, because <laughs> I'm a dork, are facing down against the 1970s greatest addition to the cyborg. Well, it could be really any addition, although the 70s oh. version is my favorite. The Cybermen. Yes. Now, it is important to note that the Cybermen are almost without... Uh, without uh, exception, identical to Star Trek's later characters of the Borg, and I think the Very Borg should so. be should be considered a Cyberman ripoff. I, you know what? I would agree with you. When you read about their history and you find out that it was a group of humans from the parallel Earth, uh, mm-hmm. I think their first appearance was uh, uh, Planet Ten or something like that in the mm-hmm. very first Doctor Who, the uh, William Hartnell Doctor Who. Uh, that they were a group of humans that started to replace, they wanted longevity, so they started to replace parts of their body with cybernetics until 90%, 95%, 99% of their body are all cybernetics, cybermen being the key word. Although Daleks have some kind of 
alien being inside them too. So mm-hmm. yeah, the the uh, I think they're called the Thals. Yeah, I'm not. One of the things about the the Daleks that's interesting is they were more horrifying to me in uh, season two than the Borg had ever been when they were on the alternate universe and Rose's mom turned out to be a Cyberman. Oh, yeah. Ooh, spooky. And the Cyberman came up and it's this, this soulless voice and it's like, I was Jackie Tyler. And I'm just like, whoa, it's like a punch in the gut. I, I kind of like the design of the new Cybermen because they look very like... Uh, what's that guy, the giant robot from uh, Japan, Mega Man? No, not Mega Man. Uh, Astro... Gigantor? No, is that who it is, Gigantor? Uh, where the guy's like... With the big shopping. pointy nose. Oh, yeah. you mean Ultraman? Ultraman, that's it. Yeah, yeah. That's who their outfits kind of remind me of, except for their, you know, uh, boombox handles on their ears kind of thing. Nice. They, they look a lot to me like the um, the revamped Ultimate Iron Man, actually. Okay. So the so the big question then is, yes, if you were to pit these two against each other, yes, who would come out on top, the Daleks, right, or the Cybermen? Now I'm kind of disappointed in the Daleks myself because up until who was it, the Ninth Doctor, the mm-hmm. Daleks were pretty much run up some stairs and we will escape. Uh, but <laughs> in that Ninth Doctor series, they actually had them have some kind of hovercraft yeah. technology, which I was really kind of disappointed in because, you know, the best way to defeat a Dalek is to run, run up stairs. stairs. Actually, they, uh, I think the Seventh Doctor originated the hovercraft technology. <laughs> oh, did they? Okay. Because I just remember yeah. it seemed to be a big deal when I was watching uh, the Doctor Who when it came back on. It was the Daleks, and all of a sudden, you know, the Doctor's like, oh, we'll just go up here. And then they turn around and they're yeah, loading up the stairs and they're like, <gasps> No! They've evolved! So, Rodrigo, the question goes to you. I don't know. Last week we talked Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Are you a big Doctor Who fan? Um, I, I, I kind of like to be, but I was never really exposed to it. I think... Expose yourself to the BBC America. I will. I mean, in, the, a, in a clean I way, I don't Rodrigo. think they'll have it, though. <laughs> I keep trying to. No, seriously, just start watching. I mean, the only thing you have to know is he's a time lord. He can travel through time and space. He has all these adventures. I've seen, I saw a handful of episodes of not this latest Doctor, but the one. Buzzcut Doctor. Yeah. And I really liked it. Um, I haven't seen any of the newer ones. And I know that I've been flipping through the channels and saw that curly headed guy with the scarf and the hat. Yeah, yeah. So you work at PBS, man. Dive into the archives and dig out some Doctor Who, and, dude. And that's how I watched every episode of Monty Python. But we don't have Doctor Who in the archives. And I'm going to have to make a donation to PBS just so you guys will start playing some Doctor Who. We, you should do that. All right. Um, so Daleks <laughs> versus Cybermen. For what uh, you know, I'd probably go with the Daleks just because of how incredibly ridiculous they are, and the fact that when I've seen them, they actually managed to make them scary. Yes. And ridiculous. I mean, it's it's not like within the context of this universe, the Daleks are scary, but outside of it, they're ridiculous. Within the context of the Doctor Who universe, the Daleks are ridiculous and scary simultaneously. And that's that's such a such a hard thing to accomplish. And it makes them makes me really like the Daleks. Yeah. yeah. OK, Matthew. I have to agree with Rodrigo. And the design of the Daleks has always been pretty much just- the same. Yeah, but it's psychotic brilliant because you can look at it and there's a vague anthropomorphization going on there. Right, especially in the uh, early episodes of Doctor Who where if you look closely, you can actually see the feet underneath walking around. (laughs) It kind of has a head and it kind of has an eye and it kind of has arm stalks, but it's so 
alien and and bizarre and you know almost insectoid in a way they i mean you look at them and yeah they're kind of ridiculous but man if there was one in your house you would crap a brick <laughs> and i did you know the the daleks also have their frap gun yeah and those frap guns man i've seen those frap guns they, they can like melt a boat right through a hedge yeah so you're gonna <laughs> go with the daleks i am I'm gonna go with the daleks I um uh, I voted for the Cybermen mm. just because I feel like they're a little bit more mobile, and in this case I mean that they're able to move around, um, as opposed to the Daleks. Even though the Daleks do have their their guns and their lasers that can do everything, and they seem to be a little bit more organized than the Cybermen were, uh, I just think the idea of these an army of silver robots mm-hmm. invading a city and turning the inhabitants into them. I just think is a very keen idea, and I think if if the two were put in a fight, I think the Cybermen would be able to move a little bit faster than the Daleks and be able to just tip the Dalek over. And what's he going to do then? Yeah, exterminate! Exterminate! We are superior. You are inferior. Get me a glass of water, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I've now officially cursed three times in the show. I apologize. To 129 anyone. votes as of this recording. Uh, unfortunately, I do not think the Cybermen are going to win. As we have like something like 88% of the people uh, weighing in and saying that the Daleks would exterminate the Cybermen. There is, totally a point, there is a point to all this. So trust me, people. We are going somewhere with all of this. There's a if point to this? Yes. People are going... <laughs> People are going, why are you having all these people fight each other? Why is Spock fighting uh, uh, Chewbacca? Oh, believe me, there's a reason why we had you guys vote on all these things. Now, could Spock take a Dalek? Uh Well, maybe we'll find out in the future. Mm -hmm. Hint, hint. Uh Could Chewbacca take a Dalek if there are no arms to rip off? (laughs) (laughs) We just said they're confused. Like, (laughs) So much for my opening move. Hey, uh, (laughs) speaking of uh, Chewbacca and the Wookiees... Uh, this week, our trade paperback, Wookies? we are diving... Wookies? Wookies? <laughs> we are diving way, way back, about a thousand years before a long, long ago, to the time... <laughs> hey, that's what you know, long ago in a galaxy far, far away. Well, this mm-hmm. is a thousand years before that. There were Jedi, <laughs> and apparently they lived in big cities, yeah. and they did their Jedi things, and they were called the Knights of the Old Republic. And so this week... We are taking a look at Volume 1, Commencement. we got some good, uh, just natural segues into everything. <laughs> and yes, there are some Wookiees in, uh, in this issue, at least one Wookiee. Has anybody ever had a Wookiee as a Jedi? Because that would be That awesome. would be there, totally there awesome. There have been Wookiee Jedi and like random things, but they're always kind of relegated to the background because well, everybody's always like wouldn't it be awesome to have a Wookiee Jedi and then I think every writer who gets a hold of it they're like no what am I going to do no, with it, this yeah, yeah but no, uh, didn't, uh, didn't how are you uh, going to mind trick someone yes I must let him win the chess game yes I but there's a here's a question now Rodrigo is our resident Star Wars expert because he is ingested and digested everything Star Wars uh, isn't uh, didn't Yoda at one point say 
that the that the Wookiee race have some connection to the Force? Oh yeah, there okay. are Force sensitive Wookies. Force sensitive Wookies. Force sensitive is usually what it's called when somebody has. Try a our new Force sensitive Wookies. With <laughs> <Yep. laughs> Retson. So there are there are very few actually, species in the galaxy who are not who don't have some sort of, some sort of force sensitivity. Except for I maybe think- this guy, uh, what's his name? Uh, the 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 villain here, um, Darth Hippo- Balls. No, Marn Hippogriff. Hippogriff. Right. He's one of them, obviously, that is not well, susceptible to the force. I and- think he's resistant to the force. There's a there's a handful of species who are naturally resistant too. And that blue guy from uh, yeah. episode Otto. one. And huts, apparently. Oh, really? Because the huts? that one, yeah, okay. huts have a resistance to the force. What about Pizza well. the Hut? <laughs> he ate himself. <laughs> so this story is the story of someone not named Skywalker, thank God. Yeah, that is nice. His name is Zane Carrick, and he is a Padawan, or Padawan. Uh, and he is on the planet, what is it, Terrace? Terrace. Terrace, which, I don't know, here's my problem with this series. It takes place a thousand years before the Battle of Yavin. the Battle of Yavin, or Yavin, whichever we're going to talk about. Maybe it's Taurus, Terrace, Taurus. Maybe the the Daleks are from Yavin. Maybe. Uh, but it just seems like Terrace, or Taurus, looks just like Coruscant. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, here you have these majestic cities that go on for miles, and in fact, that plays kind of a a key part in the story later on, where you have the undercity and the upper city and all these things. Is every planet a super city? No, I think part of the part of the issue is that this this book draws a little bit from the video game Knights of the Old Republic, mm-hmm. and I think there were parts of that video game that they wanted to stage in Coruscant, oh, okay. but Lucas was like, no. No one's allowed to go into Coruscant okay. um, outside of these particular properties. So they basically went in and made Taurus, um, which is, you know, another planet-wide city just like Coruscant. Okay. So this... So because, because this is part of that kind of extended property, anything they would want to set in Coruscant, right. they have to they have set, to in, set Taurus. in Taurus. Well, this is the other problem. A thousand years, you know, technology is going to change a lot mm-hmm. in a thousand years. The way people dress are going to change a lot in a thousand years. Even in the way that Lucas took episode one and made the technology transition to what we see in episode four, mm-hmm. you know, this very rigid, very militaristic, fascist technology, mm-hmm. that's done in less than 20 years. Right. I would think in a thousand years, you would not see cities and ships and things that look like. Everything the stuff that seen. we that we've seen in in present I should say present day Star Wars stuff. May I possibly draw your attention to the forward on page two where it says, and I'm saying this with a straight no, face. No, I never read these long words. Go I ahead. read it. I read it and I laughed. The events in this story take place approximately three thousand nine hundred and sixty four years before the Battle of Yavin. Yeah, but still, 3, how is it thousand appro- years? Three thousand nine hundred and sixty four years is not approximate. <laughs> 3,000 years is approximate. 4,000 years is approximate. 3,964 years is anal retentive. Yeah. But in any case, yeah, in, it, if it's been 40 centuries, or it's going to be 40 centuries, since we will have been seen the characters that we know from episode 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and, and whatever, so beyond. Why are we looking at, I mean, the technology, the lightsaber is exactly the same. I can understand the lightsaber because that's an ancient weapon. And I mean, you know, you go back a thousand years and we've had swords and the sword technology is pretty much the same. 
So I could see that. But to have the spaceships remain the same, I mean, styles change. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's my biggest complaint throughout the whole book is there's too much that is that looks like modern day Star Wars stuff. Right. Oh, yeah. That's Four my biggest complaint. Thousand. What was happening four thousand years ago? Uh, they were building the pyramids. No, that was. There before. you go. Yeah. Well, the, part of the thing here, and I'm not necessarily justifying it, but the the Star Wars universe is ancient beyond belief to the point where. I mean, they talk about the fact that nobody actually remembers who invented hyperdrive mm-hmm. travel. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like there's there's several species that are that fight each other right. to, to, to claim that they were the first ones. But mm-hmm. there has been interstellar travel in the Star Wars universe for so long that nobody actually remembers. There's been enough cataclysms and wars and stuff that that history has been lost. Right. Um, you're talking about a universe where, you know, this stuff, even 4,000 years before interstellar travel was already ancient right then right so, and that's what i find is really weird i mean it's just, it is weird it's weird and they could have done a way. better job of changing up the technology in the tales of the jedi knights of the old republic right which makes this confusing because there's you know it's an it's a different series i think the illustrators do a really good job of making showing it. you kind of clunkier okay. ships and ships that don't necessarily look as sleek even mm-hmm. as X-Wing fighters. Mm-hmm. I remember there's this one ship that I really like that just has like this totally unweirdly side fin with all its thrusters and then the cockpit is just kind of sticking out oh, in the yeah, middle. Cool. Um, and it's all kind of like scraggly looking and that's how all the ships look in that series. Okay. But in this one, I mean, this looks like episode one. Right. And two and right. three. Well, and that it may be that the look. product of when this uh, series came out. Uh, this originally came out in oh, 2006. So we're right towards the end of uh right towards the end of the third movie going into the fourth. So I can see a lot of influence there. Mm-hmm. Uh but kind of getting back to the story. Here is this Zane Carrick who is a Padawan and he's in his final days of of deciding whether he will become a Jedi Knight and be sent to Coruscant or if he's going to uh, flunk out. And you know this is a guy that's always late. He's always a screw up. He's probably the bottom in his class. And for the first two issues, the zero issue and the first issue, he's chasing this petty thief, this petty smuggler, uh, throughout the city of Taurus, Taurus, and um, he arrives late to his own ceremony, and when he walks in, all his Jedi Masters are standing around his slain friends, and and, uh, he realizes, oh crap, they just killed all my friends, and now they're going to come after me. And so that starts a huge chase which doesn't really span the galaxy. It, it, it spans, it spans the, planet yeah, the planet and the asteroid built around the planet. Yeah. And that's kind of where everything takes place. Um, but, you know, we go to the Undercity or we go close to where the Undercity is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go out into space. So there is some of that stuff. Uh, there are some very clunky droids. I'll give that for the technology. Yeah. The character of LB uh, is an important role. Um, but... He eventually finds, and we can talk about some other key points in the story, but just to kind of summarize what happens, Mm -hmm. he discovers, and this is really a a big mystery story about why did the Jedi kill all these trainees, all these Padawans, and he comes to find out that uh, they are seers, uh, at least five of the six are seers, and can see into the future, and they have foreseen the return of the Sith in the form of one of these... Padawans. And so their decision is let's kill them all so the Sith don't return. And they believe... 
that's that's a good thinking on the part of the Jedi there. Yeah, and there's some question if you know there's certainly the implication: are these guys really Jedi, or maybe they are they Sith, or mm-hmm. what's going on? But in the end, uh, Zane <laughs> makes his escape uh, with a lot of friends, and he basically says to these uh, Jedi, "Look, don't come looking for me. I'm going to find you. I'm going to clear my name." One of you is going to confess. The one who confesses gets to live. The rest of you are going to die. I don't care who you are. Uh, just remember, if I am the one, this theme of the one, uh, just remember one thing, you started it. Mm. And that's kind of how the, the six issues end, seven issues if you count this zero issue. Yeah. Um, but along the way, you, you meet some interesting characters. You meet this, uh, this hippogriff guy. You meet <laughs> uh, an old codger tinkerer mechanic guy you meet the hot chick that he that he hangs around with mm-hmm. right um and that's about the four of them plus the robot lb right which is a load loader droid and of course the uh the jedi masters and at first i thought oh is this a really young yoda but no it is uh vandar yeah, it's a different character it's a different yoda character who doesn't have yoda's affectation yeah which is weird which is weird and and that was in the video game too in the Knights of the Old Republic and I remember seeing it and he just talks normally and I'm like why couldn't they just make him a different species? Maybe Yoda has a learning disability. I think he does. <laughs> Here's the funny thing about Yoda though, in in Spanish because you know the Spanish translation of, of Star Wars was the first time I ever saw it. In Spanish, you can reverse sentences like that. Yes, and they work out perfectly fine. Oh, so when you were seeing the Yoda translation, like, you were just like, yeah, oh, okay, was, this is fine." Like he, it maybe sounds a little bit more poetic, but it doesn't sound weird because you can reverse sentences like that in Spanish, and nobody cares. Right. Okay. Well, that's interesting. It is. <laughs> yes. Um, I wanted more Mace Windu. There was no Mace Windu in here. This is a thousand years. No, that's what I wanted. Born. But I wanted Mace Windu, and this I didn't realize when I when I picked this up <laughs> that it was so far, you know, it was so far long, long ago, beyond the long, long ago, and that was one of the things that was vaguely off-putting to me as as a relatively casual movie fan, without you know the the indoctrination or you know the the you know the the deep background of. Which Star Wars series takes place where? Or, you know, I played the Star Wars RPG maybe 10, 15 years ago. Well, not 10. Eh, 9, 10 years ago. And it was enjoyable to me. But mm-hmm. there was such reverence among the players. And I mean, like, creepy reverence for the source <laughs> material. Right. That it was, it was off-putting. And I get a little bit of that here in that it's trying to be different. It's 3,964 years, approximately. Well, before the Battle of Yavin. I mean, this doesn't even before count we, the... But there's still, I mean, there's still the whole, oh, George Lucas, to the material. And, I, you know, I kind of get that, because there are some characters that pop up in the first three episode movies, one, two, and three, not four, five, and six, uh, that you do see similar characters appear in the book, or similar races that only appear in those first three, like when they're first setting up the banquet, there's the uh, guy that uh, owns the banquet hall who is the same guy that uh, Obi-Wan meets on... Uh, the diner. Yeah, in the diner on, on Coruscant. He's a basilisk. Right. Whatever his, his race is. And basilisk. Basilisk, apparently. 
Thank you. Uh, the the sequence where Zane is fighting the Griff and ends up falling through traffic yes. reminded me so much of Anakin in season yeah. two where he leaps out and he's he's falling through. And this came after that, which means it's a conscious callback, but we're supposed to look at it as not just a callback to the movie as this happened beforehand. Yeah. Right. And it's kind of like that moment at the end of episode one where we realize that 10-year-old Anakin destroying, you know, the slave trade or the the trade federation ship kind of you know echoes what would happen 20 years ago with his kid destroying the death star mm-hmm. it feels a little too calculated in retrospect it yeah. feels like maybe we're, maybe so. we're gonna throw in as much as we can because we're we're essentially telling the story backwards so well, we're gonna and, throw know, in as I, much of this you know ironic resonance as we can possibly get i guess i didn't pick up on that i mean i'm really glad that we didn't see you know, somebody working on an early model of the Millennium Falcon and saying, someday this will be the fastest ship in the four galaxies yeah. or something like that. I'm glad we didn't see that. I'm glad that there's not a Skywalker in this yeah. book. Because had this character been called Skywalker, I probably would have put it down in the first issue and said, no, never, uh-uh, no way. But to see other characters, stories focusing on these other characters, I like that a lot. And uh, I didn't mind the Zane character. He's very yeah. something I think readers can identify with. Most yeah. readers can well, identify with. Here's my here's my issue with it, and, and you kind of talked about it a little bit. Because um, throughout this this volume, you, you're you're going along with Zane, and Zane's pretty. Uh, he's he bumbles a lot, and right. he's not sure. He's like, well, maybe I am the big evil guy that's going right. to kill everybody. You know, maybe my master was right. Maybe this, maybe that. And then in two pages. The last two pages of the book, he comes back and he's like, okay, well, I'm going to come back and kill y'all. Right. All right? And it's like, you don't see where he gets that spine. Mm -hmm. You don't see where he gets the ability to do this. Mm -hmm. You don't see where he turns. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like, oh, yeah, now that we've told this story, the next volume is a story that we actually want to tell. Right. Kind of thing. Right. And as I was reading through this, I was like, man, is this going to... Am I only reading the first part of a 12-issue series that I really need to understand, or is this a complete story? Because we were getting very close to the end before everything was kind of wrapped up wrapped up very quickly, almost like a Scooby-Doo mystery, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> where they pull the, the head off the big, big bad guy, and they're like, oh uh-huh. my gosh, it's Lucien. Yeah. Ah, if it wasn't for you accursed kids, I would have gotten away with it. <laughs> uh, it just, I don't know, it, it, I like the story. I I thought it was interesting. I thought the characters were fairly interesting. Mm-hmm. But it felt like, and again, I don't know, Rodrigo, and you will have to set this up for us maybe a little bit more in what order these books come in. Because this may have been released before uh, the Tales of the Jedi series. I don't or think it may so. Have that been, it that may series have, is pretty old. Okay. Uh, but it just felt like there's a lot of setup of, hey, welcome to this universe. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's because of the tie into the game where they're trying to say, hey, read these books that'll help you understand the mythos behind yeah. the video game or not. I, I don't know. But I just felt a lot of it was like, hey, look at this technology. Look at this. Look at that. Let's set you up to where things are in the city. Mm-hmm. Let's set you up to the events going on off planet. Let's oh, set yeah. you up to the – and I, I do like the <laughs> – I guess the thing that I like about Star Wars in general are, is the politics. Yeah. You know, this takes place after, I forget, it's certainly after the Sith War, the first big Sith battle. It's after the first big Sith War. It takes place during the Mandalorian Wars. Mandalorian Wars. 
Mandalorians. Where have we heard that name before? Boba Fett wears Mandalorian. Boba Fett is a Mandalorian. Ah, okay. All right. So Terrace is actually one of those border territories Mm -hmm. that, you know, if the Jedi can protect it, they'll stay with the Republic. If not, the Mandalorians will come in and take over everything. Mm -hmm. And so there's that kind of political intrigue that's going on. Um, And and had they focused on that, had they focused on um, the Mandalorian War... Have they focused on the fact that I mean you you touch on it barely, but the Jedi Temple is not on Coruscant, right? It's on Dantooine, I think, right? Or and one do, of them. Yeah, they that, do mention that the, the Jedi structure is different. Was different back then to mm-hmm. a certain degree. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't necessarily have one master and one padawan. You kind of had groups, right? Um, so did you also people, have different Sith too? I mean, did you have groups? Well, the of Sith, Sith the Sith were gone at this point. Oh, okay. But um, the, at one point, apparently, the Sith were. The rulers of everything. Yeah, the Sith kind of took over, and there's, <laughs> it's it's complicated. You know, the there used to be these guys called the Sith, and then what we know as the Sith kind of took them over, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So you know, if the the farther back you go, you you notice that there's been Jedi and Sith mm-hmm. wars mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Uh, okay, because it's you know the classic thing in Star Wars, and the Sith keep making a comeback. Yeah, Samurai, Samurai versus Ninja. Kind of, yeah. Matthew, some other thoughts? What did you think of the art? I did not care for the art. I loved the cover treatments. Yeah. But going through the book, it, it, it kind of feels like a melange of Jim Lee in places, and I, I, I'm not sure how to describe it. There's, I don't know, and there's, there's to an aspect. very that, realistic. Well, and I didn't even get that. I, I felt like they were trying to make it comic book realistic. Right, that's I like, what I mean. I like portions of it. I like some of the character designs, and there were bits and pieces of it that really rocked. But overall, it just felt like... I don't know if you've ever... Um, if you ever mess with Photoshop and you have something that you scan that's not quite in focus... Hmm. Yeah. Uh, this is the thing that I've been working with for like a week now and trying to get Lightning Lad together, is my, my old books aren't scanning right and i'm getting these weird out of focus pictures and i'm trying to sharpen the edges of them without having them get too grainy right this book the overall presentation of the art and the arts you know fine and kind of a hey you know uh, this is this is this character this is that character kind of way the the staying on model is an issue it's a little bloopy which is my you know my description of any art that's all rounded edges but it feels like the I don't know if it's the printing. I don't know if it's the reproduction. It just feels like it's blurry in places, and then in other places, it's like it's almost too crisp. Like they've they've gone through and sharpened the edges out, and then I don't know. I, I'm just wondering if there wasn't some uh, digital coloring going on throughout this whole issue. I think because I think when well, you look at the pencil lines, the pencils look good, but what's causing it to look fuzzy is how they're blending the colors which is something you don't see in the traditional comic book treatment, but you do see in uh, computerized um, shading. I think that's the issue. I think it's the coloring. Um, they try to give everything a very gradient, kind of soft look, mm-hmm. and, it, it just, and it weakens the, the actual pencil lines. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's, I mean, there's a crispness to parts of it, and then all of a sudden in the middle of something, there will be something that's just very sketchy. And I know it's being done for artistic effect, 
but the sketchy isn't sketchy enough to offset the finished art, and the finished art isn't crisp enough to make the sketchy look intentional. Right. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, going back and forth. Right after he meets up with Vandar, there's what I think is either a dream sequence or some sort of forced nightmare. But it's it's not bad. I'm just kind of, you know, I, I read through it, and I was, I was not impressed with Zane in the least, which kind of, you know didn't uh, really uh, affect my ability to connect to the character. I liked some of the scenes. I liked the overall picture of the universe at this point in time. I liked the idea of seeing Jedi almost being corrupted by their own purity, which is nice. Mm-hmm. There but, are, from what I can tell, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, there are like 10 volumes of this stuff already, like something almost like 80 issues yeah. of Knights of the Old Republic out there. And I'm sure that there are some Omnibi that are being printed. Uh, Matthew, is this a series that if you were, if someone were to tell you, Matthew, here's volume two, would you say, yeah, I'll give it a read, or would you say, mm, no thanks, why don't you give it to somebody else? I didn't feel enough connection to this character and the material to where I would want to pick it up. If somebody really sold me on a recommendation and went, hey, you know, it picks up and it does this and this, I might. But... It's not something that I'm going to go out of my way based on these six and a half issues to pick up. Rodrigo, same question. I probably would. I'm curious as to what happens next. And and it's funny because I was turned off by the swerve at the end. Yeah. But I'm like, well, maybe it's going to be a completely different story. Yeah, from maybe here it's now. now. So, yeah, maybe it's not going to yeah, Zane strikes back. Yeah, Zane's hunt for the other Jedi or. Who knows, maybe the rest of the series takes place in those three weeks in between, you know. Yeah, true. So true. maybe we'll get to see how he turns yeah. around. If someone were it, to give this to me, I would say, yeah, I'll go ahead and read it. Yeah. What were you going to say, Matthew? If Zane actually does become the head of a new branch of the Sith to take down the people who killed his friends. Yes. that I'd read that. Can I... Can I... <laughs> You gonna spoil it for us? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he does. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure him and uh, that guy that he meets, the old Dodger guy. Yeah. No, 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 no. At the beginning, um, uh, what's his name? The uh, the hippogriff guy. No, 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 no. Da, 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 da. Oh, that other oh, guy. Oh, the guy they call Squint. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure him and Squint are gonna become the new Dark Lords of the Sith by the end of this. Oh. Dun, 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 now, is that because dun, of what you dun, dun, have you played the game? No, yes, I have. Um, Do they appear in the game? They might, because one of the characters in the game. Uh, should I spoil the game? Yeah, go ahead. I mean, right. it's been out for it, it has know, been out for four or five time. years. So um, you play the game and you find out they keep talking about Darth Revan and Darth Malak, ah, and okay. one of them is missing, and now Malak is leading the Sith. You find out through this that you're an amnesiac and you're Darth Revan. Uh Oh, cool. So, yeah, the characters are there. And I think these two guys are Revan and Malak. So would Revan then be, do you think, Zane? Because he says, you know, what if I'm blacking out and not remembering these things? I I think he might be. But then again, when I played through, I played it as as a black chick. So... You know, <laughs> it makes it a little bit harder. Yeah, it that. does. Okay, so it might it might be different people, but I think they are supposed to be revenant. If that's the case, I think I've got volume two or three sitting here because I was really interested in kind of following this this story, mm-hmm. and so I think I'm going to read through these other volumes mm-hmm. and just I check them out and see. 
when I become a Sith, I want to be Darth Bun Bun. <laughs> because these names be, are just you too can be Darth Darth. Bun. How about, Darth how about you can be Darth Cinnabon? That's what you can be. Well, and this is it's like Darth Sidious and Darth Vader and Darth <laughs> Monkey Pan. Why not? You know, clean up your image. Darth Bob. I, I saw this. Darth I saw this Sunshine. Whole thing about how Darth is just you know because of Darth Vader and Darth Sidious, Darth just means in. So the, this guy just did this whole thing where he's like, Darth Continent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, we found our opinions on the piece. Matthew, would you recommend this to others? With more Mace Windu, I would recommend it to others. <laughs> okay. What does Master Yoda look like? What does Master Yoda look like? Does he what? look like a Sith? What? Say what again? Say what? what? Does Master Yoda look like a Sith? Uh, no. Then why are you trying to fight him like one, Brad? <laughs> what? Oh yes, you did. <laughs> See, Sam Jackson jokes are universal, right there. He, he's he's green. I would... What else? He, he, he's bald. <laughs> look at the brain on Brad. <laughs> All right. I'm uh, sorry. Did I break your concentration? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> Knights of the Old Republic, Volume 1 Commencement. If you are a Star Wars fan, or even if you're just, I'm going to say even mildly interested in the Star Wars universe, I would say that this is probably something that you oh, yeah. would enjoy reading. I'd recommend it, because as long as you don't get, it, it, skip the foreword. As long as you, yeah. you, you don't, <laughs> if you don't know that this takes place, what, 3,964 3, years? <laughs> Approximately, because you don't know how many months. Yeah, that's the approximate. Yeah, it, it could, could be, be uh, two months, yeah, three 63, months, sixty-three, sixty-five. We don't really know how the Star Wars calendar works. Four years and eight days. Well, it could be that. Yeah, because <laughs> the battle of Yavin took place on a Quern's day. Yeah, yeah. The, see, the when did the battle of Yavin take place? It was on a Quern's day, and this takes place on a Bleem's day. There you yeah, go. There you go. Uh, Matthew, you never played Knights of the Old Republic, the game. I, I'm not into video games that much. I'm I, I haven't played a home video game that isn't WWE or Grand Theft something in about the last ten years. Ah, okay. I want to pick people up and break their necks, and then I want to drive my car into like a, a gas station and blow up. That's what I want. The to only do. game that I have time to play, and I haven't had time to play it in the last month or so, is World of Warcraft. And listeners, if you notice that the site suddenly goes dead on Thursday. You know what? Why it's it's dead? I'm, it's a I'm, raid. Yeah, it's raid day. Um, raid I day the or Cinemax before. after dark for me. Yeah, so. There you go. Uh, so let's see. Next week on the show, for those of you who want to get uh, get caught up with us, next week we're going to do talking, volume two: the history of Darth Bun Bun. There you go. We will be talking about the second volume of the Saltwater Taffy series that comes out this week. So if you're in stores, I highly recommend it. I love the first volume i reviewed it on a previous show second volume comes out uh, this week we are going to review it next week it's called a climb a climb on mount barnabas or to mount barnabas it's the saltwater taffy volume two trade that's what we will be reviewing next week as a group any final thoughts gentlemen um, exterminate <laughs> mad jamin brett ratner brett brett ratner <laughs> All right, Exterminate everybody. Matt Damon. 
Matt Damon is a Cyberman. Go! <laughs> hey, that actually might be a step up for him. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening this week. Don't forget to tell your friends about the show. Be sure to visit our website, Majorspoilers.com. That is the website. We're also experimenting with that social media network. You can find us up on MySpace, MySpace.com slash Majorspoilers. You can find us at Twitter.com at Twitter.com slash Majorspoilers. You can find Rodrigo and I on our uh, official Facebook pages. We've also got official MySpace pages. Uh, where else are we? We're on the iTunes. Hey, we appreciate everybody who is leaving us positive reviews up on iTunes and Podcast Alley. Uh, we really appreciate everyone who has donated to the show, especially Ryan Schuler. I think I hope I've got, got his name right. Randy Schuler. Sorry, Randy. Randy Schuler, who donated this week to the show. We really appreciate people who throw money into the tip jar. If you have any comments questions, suggestions, ideas for trades that we might want to review in the future, uh, or if you'd just like to uh, talk to us or sponsor a show, all you have to do is drop us an email at podcast at majorspoilers.com. Like I said, next week, Saltwater Ta- Taffy Volume 2. It's going to be uh, a fun time. We've also got some other great titles coming up in the near future. Girl Genius, Lock and Key, Welcome to Lovecraft, and maybe a few more. So until next time, I'm Steven Schleicher for Matthew and, and, and uh, Rodrigo. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. I don't care if the Hulk could defeat the Man of Steel. I'm gonna rearrange your face if you continue to debate whether Logan's claws could pierce Steve Rogers' shield. I just couldn't care if they bring back Craven. I need to get some sleep. Rodrigo needs some sleep. Exterminate your cold. (laughs) Exterminate your illness. Exterminate. I just like how every time they'd say that, they'd get higher and higher (laughs) in their pitch. pitch.